Shall we begin? Let's begin Irotondo, what a finish! What a hit! Remember the name, Nestor Irotondo! Look at that! How on earth has Kuol scored from there? Suta! Another international goal! Rich Bagaloo through the crowd, fires one up into the top corner. This is the Soccer Who's Podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to the Soccer Who's Podcast. My name is Lockie. I'm joined by James Jarvis, my one and only co-host, at least for this episode. Last episode, we were crashed in all the excitement of the, the win against Denmark, but it's good to have you here, James. How are you going? I'm good, mate, ready to go, and boy, am I excited for... 5am Sunday morning Brisbane time. Yep, uh, that is the time that we will be kicking off. 5am in Brisbane, 6am elsewhere. We don't need to go through all the time zones in the world. Just Google it. If you are looking to watch this Socceroos Argentina game, you'll know exactly when it is. We are not the experts on time. I watched Lightyear uh, with time dilation. It kind of confused me, so... I'm not the person to do that. A special welcome, I should say, to the GOAT, Harry Suter, uh, not Lionel Messi. Uh, you will not welcome at this episode. We will be beating you tomorrow morning. So look forward to that. James, we've already given our reactions to the Denmark episode. We've kind of split up what we've done in previous World Cup episodes because we actually didn't know who we were going to get. So... This is just going to be a little short one, short, sharp, punchy. You can listen to it on your way to the game, listen to it later today just to hype yourself up. But we now know who our opponent is. It is the one and only Argentina. How do you feel about that? Because it really could have been anyone in that group. It could have been Mexico. It could have been Poland. It could have been Saudi Arabia. But it ends up being Argentina. How do you feel heading into this game tomorrow morning i'm excited mate uh to be honest i don't subscribe to the theory of hope you get worse teams in knockout football uh because i think if you want to do as well as you can and you want to potentially win it which i think every nation should deep down obviously want to even if it's unlikely you should almost want the bigger nations to get your form as high as possible prove that hey look we are formidable where to be messed with so i'm excited it's argentina i think it'll be an exciting game and if we do win, it just adds to the beautiful story of this World Cup even more. And I'm excited to see Lionel Messi's final game at the World Cup. That is bold. Uh, I mean, he, he will have a final game at the World Cup. And I guess we're both hoping it is against Australia. Looking at this Argentinian side, we've seen against Saudi Arabia that they can be beaten. It was their first game at the World Cup and... As we said last episode, sometimes these bigger teams in the group stage, they they underestimate some sides. They don't come out firing all, on all cylinders just yet. But you can say that Saudi Arabia did exploit the weaknesses of Argentina. They played a really risky game, played a high line, really tried to play that offside trap and, and did so successfully. How do you think that Australia will find success against Argentina? Well, for me, it's all about for us, the number six position and the number 10 position. I think those are our two most crucial positions on the pitch. Uh, because I think 
those are probably the two areas where we have to tactically exploit Argentina the most. And I look through Argentina's squad, there is a clear issue, there is a clear flaw in their squad. They've got a very good attack, some decent wide options as well, but uh, the real issue is just their ability to progress the ball. And for me, we need to have a really high-pressing number 10. We have to have good traps set in place, and that's something that Graham Arnold has always done. I have said it throughout the World Cup qualifying campaign. He has had really good pressing triggers. So I'm very excited to see how we utilize that against Argentina because I think we have to be positive in that regard and we have to look to really cause issues, especially when their fullbacks are on the ball because Argentina, they want to get down the central area of the pitch. They want to attack centrally. They play Messi centrally because they want them to be as impactful as possible. So it's really important for one, the number six will be man-marking Messi for hopefully 90 minutes. But also number two, who that number 10 is. Because they have to be very intelligent and they have to know when do I engage to press, when do I not engage to press. And then following on from that, it's going to be really interesting to see the battle between our wingers and their fullbacks. Because if our wingers can get the better of their fullbacks in the pressing game, we will have chances. And we can make them pay, as we have shown, against Denmark and against Tunisia. I don't know if you saw this, James, but John McKenzie of the TIFO Football Podcast, he did a little bit of a tactical breakdown of this Argentinian side, especially in their group stage and how they performed so far. And, and look, I was, I was reading it, trying to understand it. As far as I can understand, Argentina set up in that first game against Saudi Arabia in this asymmetrical 4-4-2 and really the way in which Saudi Arabia uh, pressed and, and defended, they, they man-to-man, they, they marked up against this Argentinian side and it actually exploited their weakness, especially in deep. Uh, and Scaloni recognized this weakness and actually then changed how they set up against Poland uh, and in their final game against Mexico as well, switching to a more traditional uh, 4-4-2 diamond with McAllister and DePaul sitting in a, a bit more narrowly. If you were Scaloni, how would you be setting up this Argentinian side against an Australian team that, yes, our weaknesses were exposed against France. I think there was a bit of that, but it was also a lot of France just being pure quality. How do you set this Argentinian side to exploit the weakness of Australia, knowing that we've actually kept two clean sheets so far in this World Cup, which is crazy to say. Well, this is the beautiful nature of the game because knockout football is all about matchups. And Australia is really difficult compared to their other teams. I'm not saying we've been better than Poland or we've been better than Mexico or Saudi Arabia in terms of the talent we have. What I'm saying is where our strengths lie is very different. Our centre-backs are so good and have been so good at this tournament where we have a few issues defensively is out wide. And that is a complete contrast to what their entire group has been about. Argentina's entire group has been about utilizing the space out wide to attack the central centre-backs. But for us, you need to attack the space out wide to get behind the central centre-backs and make sure they're on the back foot if you want the best chance against Australia to score a goal. And that's why it's going to be so fascinating this game because... You could see a complete shake-up by Argentina. You could see them go to a 4-3-3 and to try and exploit our weakness or do Argentina say, hey, look, we know what we're good at and we're just going to trust that 
sheer talent and talent alone is going to help us break down Australia. And it's really hard to say. I think the wise tactical decision that I would I would make if I was Argentina manager would be to switch to a four three three and look to play Messi in a false nine, get him to drop deeper, uh, to try and pull the centre backs a bit further up the pitch and really isolate the full backs. Uh, but that's not Argentina's game and has been for a long time because they don't really have the box to box midfielders. Uh DePaul's a decent player, Alistair is a decent player, Endo Fernandez is a very good CDM, but they don't really have the box box and fielders to get up and support number nine centrally. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how Argentina set out because Australia's a real mismatch for them. And I think with our high pressing system in terms of how good Lecky and Goodwin have been pressing, we could cause some issues if their legs survive. You mentioned Lecky and Goodwin. We saw Australia adapt to the way that Denmark were playing. It actually has since come to light since our last episode went out that Mitch Duke intercepted a piece of paper that had some tactical instructions. Whether our team would have recognised what those instructions were in the change of play from Denmark, look, I don't think that we've got idiots on the bench. I think they would have seen that. But it certainly helped that we saw exactly what the instructions were to Ericsson and we then switched to a back five. You saw Bailey Wright subbed on. And we then played five at the back. Do you think that Graham might look to switch up how we've been playing, at least formation-wise? I'd say no chance, to be honest, because I think the way we set up formation-wise is probably setting up, sets us up best against Argentina. I think any change would actually make us worse set up against Argentina. The only real exception to that is if you think, okay, Argentina's going to change their whole system to a 4-3-3, so maybe you make the argument that a... 5-3-2 5-3-2 could work. If Atkinson is healthy, you bring back Alan Atkinson at right wing back. There's a lot of moving parts in that department, but I think Graham Arnold kind of calls Argentina's bluff, says, hey, I think you're going to stick to your football. You're going to play a variation of the 4-4-2, whether that's a diamond, a 3-1-2, whatever it is, and stick to his good 4-4-2 defensively against Argentina. It was noted that there is a training session that FIFA requires media to be at in the lead-up to fixtures like this. Yesterday, the Socceroos just played some fun games in their session. Their later closed one was going to be the one where they're doing the serious tactical work. Were there any Sharons at this? I I don't think there are any Sharons at it, but it sounds like you don't think that we're going to have any sort of tactical surprises from the Socceroos. I don't think so, no. Uh, I think that's just a good old-fashioned game of cat and mouse, really. Mind games, baby. Yeah, that's what tournament football is all about. So good to see that Graham Arnold is subscribing to the dominance ideology. I had another question about Australia versus Argentina. James, we played them before. We played them a number of times. It was actually one of the teams, I think, in world football that you can point to a lot of games where we've, we've played them. A lot of them haven't been as successful as we would hope, but... One that I'd like to point to in more recent history, the Oli Roos. A mm. number of these current soccer Roos players, even Mitch Duke, who was overaged, played against Argentina in the Olympics. Now, it would be silly of me to make it sound like this is the same Argentinian side, but can we take any confidence knowing that we've gone toe-to-toe with Argentinians 
I'd have to do some research as to whether any of those are in this Argentinian squad as well. Could we see Marco Tilly off the bench once again with what was, I think, his first touch scoring in the top right-hand corner? I don't know if we'll see Marco Tilly at all this tournament, but to answer your initial question, yes, I think he can take a lot of confidence because for me, we saw a very similar tactical battle play out that we're going to see in this round of 16 matchup. Australia's 4-4-2 and how we defend doggedly in that, and how it quickly transitions into a 4-3-3, versus Argentina's slower play style of a base four variant where they had their four at the back, and then they kind of build from there. Uh, Very rarely get into a three up top, but it'll be really fascinating uh, to see if Scaloni makes any changes, because I think for Argentina to get the tactical best output from this game, he has to make a change. And will he make that change? I don't know. People are praising him, saying, look how malleable he has been. But what has been consistent in this entire tournament is he has played variations of the 4-4-2. A 4-4-2 diamond is a variation of the 4-4-2. A false nine with narrow wingers is a variation of the 4-4-2. They are, everything he has played is a variation of the 4-4-2 because Argentina's defensive transition is poor. That is the reality of this Argentina side, and it is a weakness, and Scaloni doesn't trust it. He knows that they are slow in defensive transitions. He knows they are weak against a counter-attack, and he knows that the best defensive shape for Argentina is a 4-4-2. So he doesn't want to stray very far from that in terms of his attacking shape because he doesn't trust them to transition back to a 4-4-2 quick enough. And I think that's where Australia will really catch them out. If they do make sweeping changes... And it'll be really interesting to see how the 4-4-2 variant that he uses will match up against us defensively because I think our defensive system will actually do very, very well against it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see nil all fair and we could go to penalties. I would not be surprised at all if that is the outcome. What I am very certain of is there won't be many goals unless Argentina scores early and then it'll be a completely different game. But however this looks... It's going to be a fascinating tactical battle on the pitch. It will be very fascinating. I'm just trying to look at Argentina's side that took on Poland and compare it to the side that played the Socceroos. McAllister uh, is in that side. Alexis McAllister did play. Just recalling that game, it also did help from memory that Argentina did cop a red card. So hopefully the refs are on our side again. That would be a wonderful to see us go a man up. As you said, I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes to extra time. I know we're trying to organize, hey, should we get a bunch of guys together and go have some breakfast after the game? And logistically, I was like, well, I'm going to expect that this game could go to extra time. I think that we could see a very tight affair. And this is where I think that our use of subs is so, so very important. So very important because... Let's be real, Arnie hasn't really rotated this squad at all, at least in the first three games. And we've only seen the right-back change every single game. With players like Leckie, like Goodwin, who have to press a lot, Duke, who's required to do a whole lot up top. You've got Irvine and Moy, who I don't think have been subbed off yet either. And then the tireless work of the fullbacks having to get up and down the pitch when possible how do you think that 
our players will go. Obviously, we're not in camp. We, we don't know how we're recovering. And last game, Arnie was waiting until the last minute to make the team announcement, at least to decide the team in his head. How do you think that we're going to go if we have to play 120 minutes of football? Um, one thing I'll never doubt about on Australian side is our fitness and work rate. So I think the players will play 110% until they can't anymore. And then next man up will be probably in our favor because I firmly believe that Australian fitness outdoes every single nation in the world. Um, we may not be as technical, but we will work harder than any other nation. And that's one thing I love about our brand of football. Uh, having said that, I think it's great that you've highlighted the wingers because how they go late in the game, I think is going to be crucial for us, especially if it's nil all. Because when you look at Argentina's three group games and also their previous history in terms of under Scaloni, they do very well when defending against two strikers. Very well. Poland, Mexico, two striker systems. They defend narrow and they dominate them. Where they really struggled against Saudi Arabia, people will point to Saudi Arabia's defensive game. But what really was their undoing was when Saudi Arabia attacked and they had three players with two really wide wingers because they do not have really natural midfielders uh, at this level of football. McAllister and the other box midfielder, DePaul, they're not great going forward, but they're not great going back. They're very natural playmakers. They want to sit... They want to move the ball around, which is good when you have lots and lots of possession. But when you're trying to break down a deep team, it causes issues because you have no one arriving late into the box. But inversely, defensively, it causes issues because they don't want to go wide. They want to stay centrally, which means your fullbacks get very isolated. Your centre-backs have to pull wide as a cover, and all of a sudden you start creating gaps in the middle. And Argentina struggled against Saudi Arabia because of this, and they've struggled previously on the Scalona because of this. So our wingers are crucial. We have to attack wide. We have to get into these wide areas. And especially, I think we have to be really positive with our fullbacks. Because if we can be positive with our fullbacks, get up the pitch, we will pull back a Di Maria. We will pull back a Martinez because they have to defend them. They have to respect them. Bayic is very good at overlapping. And that is also Di Maria's side. He has to respect it. He has to get back. And if he doesn't, well, we will have plenty of opportunities then attacking their fullbacks because they will be isolated and we will cause overloads, which will pull their centre-backs out of position. So it could be the game for Almobile because that's where he exceeds. He exceeds at attacking a fullback, then turning and looking to come inside. So it will be really interesting to see how he's utilised, when he is utilised, because... If it's nil all late in the game, it really is set up for an Almobile type player to get to the byline, start cutting inside and find maybe someone who likes arriving late in the box like a Jackson Irvine. So wingers will be important and attacking with speed late in the game especially will be very important for this Australian side. As I just said, we haven't really rotated this side too, too much. Who are you expecting to see Australian name in that starting eleven? Uh, well, I think one to look out for would be backers. I think you could see McGree rotated, which is harsh considering I think he just played his best game of the tournament. Uh, but Bacchus was phenomenal off the bench. He does all those linking plays together. You know I'm a fan of Bacchus. So we could see him come in and Jackson Irvine push up higher because Jackson Irvine, while not as 
fastest backers is definitely more intelligent in terms of his positioning in pressing, which will be valuable for Australia's defence. Another change could be Goodwin. He didn't play well. That's just the honest windfall of his game. He could find himself out of the natural starting lineup because of that tired legs combined with not playing well. Obviously, Mabil would be a name that everyone would expect, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Graham Arnold goes a bit left of field in some regards and shifts a player that I just mentioned out there in McGree. I wouldn't be surprised to see McGree start out left wing because he's good positionally out there. He'll drift inside and cause issues to really allow Bates to overlap and potentially pin Di Maria, as I said earlier. So those are probably the two big changes are... Finally, I don't think Degenek starts in this game. I don't think it's the game for him in terms of having someone like a Lautaro Martinez out on his flank. Degenek made sense when you wanted him to come a bit more narrow against Denmark. But in this kind of game where he's going to have a pacey winger up against him, where he's going to be isolated a lot, I think it's much more the game for Karacic. Uh, unless you end up going to a back three and then it's Atkinson if he's healthy. But... I would hope that Karacic does start on this right-hand flank because you need a defensively solid fullback that will not allow Laturo Martinez to get on your inside. Yeah, great shouts there. I do appreciate, whether it was intentional or not, your joke about left of field, speaking about that left flank. It would be a bold move to play Riley McGree out, especially if you're trying to play wingers that are going to press high and look to take the man on. But... That is something that McGree likes to do. He has built his confidence as this tournament has gone on. We're still yet to see his worldie that you predicted before the tournament started. So whether that could come against Argentina when you could argue that the whole world will be watching. I know that plenty of people are watching Australia play in that last fixture against Denmark. But when you've got someone like Lionel Messi, who is arguably playing in his last World Cup, You've got plenty of Messi fans. You've got plenty of Argentinian fans. And these fixtures aren't at the same time as you know this last round where you've got the two games happening at the same time. The world will be watching this Australian side. And I want us to put on a good account, and I think we will. But that could be a, a bold move to play Riley McGree at left wing. I don't think that we will see a lot of changes unless we're forced into it, unless players just haven't recovered too well. We know that Arnold loves his team. He loves this starting 11 that he's been picking and there's a real loyalty that he has to players. As you said, I don't think we will be seeing Marco Tilio in this tournament unless something drastic happens, but he is a player that you can sub on and just produces moments of magic. He is very good at that, but I think the player that's much more likely to fill that role would be Grant Kowal. Uh, for similar reasons, as I said about Mabil earlier, Grant Kowal will be just as direct, take him on just as much, and there's always something about a bit of an unknown quantity that kind of causes issues, right? Mabil, he's known to Argentina. People may say, oh, he's a nobody, but any good scouting department will know a player like Albert Mabil. He played in Denmark for a long time and he played very well in Denmark he's now playing in Spain which is local to many of the Argentinian players so they'll know Alman Bill but there's always something about an unknown quality in there isn't there in Grenquall who they'll have seen him but they won't really know because they've never 
played against him or seen him live in terms of the players. So it could be a game for Grank Wall. It could be his time to announce his name on the world stage. And wouldn't that be something that would be an absolute joy to see Grank Wall light it up in this kind of a game? It very well could be. I was just about to say that Marco Tilly does have a name that lends itself to some beautiful commentary from commentators around the world. Just the O at the end, it just lends itself to the extended Oh! That was a beautiful demonstration, mate. Thank you. I think the people listening will go, wow, what insight that Lachlan is providing in this moment. I think that we will continue to see Mitch Duke starting, whether he's providing physical help to the team, whether he's providing tactical help in handing over sheets of paper. He has been very good for the Socceroos side. And uh, just on a side note, the radio station that I work for, we had our end-of-year listener party. It's a thing that most radio shows do. They have some sort of event to finish off the year. And I did go as 90s Graham Arnold. It was a throwback party. Can confirm that Mitch Duke has seen myself dressed as 90s Graham Arnold. Whether Graham has then since been shown that as well. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go and check out, I think I posted on Twitter, my my beautiful costume. But that was a fun night. Mitch Duke, he's everywhere. He's on Instagram. He's terrorizing defenders. And I think we will be seeing a lot more of him. Do you think Mitch Duke could potentially earn a move after this World Cup? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Um, Wouldn't be surprised at all. We've seen that some big teams actually really like picking up a bit of an unknown target man. So wouldn't be surprised at all to see him and move to one of the big five leagues because back up big target men that can change a game on in an instance but also just see out a game are invaluable to at least high-level football. And Mitch Duke has shown he can do that on the bigger stage. I know that his family live over in England and he obviously plays in Japan. So his family situation, it's a lot for him to be away from home for such a long time and that's why it's been so valuable when he can get family time so I would love to see him make a move over to England or even to Scotland somewhere where his physicality can be appreciated and his ability to play as a target man can be utilized over there I think on the right wing we're going to see Leckie once again in the midfield I can't see us changing things up. I know that I've been pushing to see Devlin this tournament. It's just not the game for him. No, and I honestly, unless Moy or Irvine gets injured, which I don't want to happen, and I hope it doesn't, I don't think we'll be seeing Cam Devlin. I think Hrustich is above him as a sub that comes on. I think Bacchus has rightly proven that he can change a game, and he did so against Denmark. As much as I love Devlin and I'd love him to go two-foot messy just to take him out of the game, I don't think it's going to be happening. Yikes. <laughs> uh, left back, Bayich, he's a lock. I think we're not changing this back two of roles and Sutar. Sutar has been immense. Roles has done his job and has really helped elevate Sutar. I think in every good centre-back partnership, you've got the leader and then you've got the guy who does the quiet work, getting it done, and Rolls has done that fantastically. That right-back spot, though. Does Graham Arnold pick a player like Atkinson, who we know can get forward and can provide some assistance in attack? Does he pick 
the more defensively astute, but maybe slightly slower Degenek, who really grew into the game against Denmark? Or does he pick Karacic, who sits in between the two, who provides an option, the best of both worlds, you could argue, the worst of both worlds, you could also argue, from Atkinson and Degenek? I don't know. That's going to be the question mark, I think, over this starting 11. we wait to see who starts there at right back. I will also say that I would love to see a player like Bailey Wright, who got his first minutes at the World Cup. He was listed in the 2014 squad, listed in the 2018 squad, didn't get any minutes, made his debut at the World Cup the other night. And then unfortunately, and quite tragically, his mother-in-law passed away. And what a special moment. I don't know the circumstances around her passing, whether she got to see Bailey play at a World Cup would be uh, quite a beautiful thing for her to witness. I think this is a, a real opportunity for the squad to get around Bailey and for him to potentially, if we need to switch to that back three or that back five, however you look at it, I thought he did his job when he did come on against Denmark. So I would like to see whether he gets any game time, I don't know. But it's just one of those storylines where you go a win would make this so, so much sweeter. And I hope he's gone all right. I hope he's been able to be in a headspace where he's able to focus. That's a big thing to happen. And generally, in any other work context, when someone in your immediate family passes away, you take a, you take a day off. You take two days off. Uh, you can't afford to have that as a professional athlete at the World Cup. Uh, it's just... Yeah, it's just one of those stories that it would be great to see us get the win for Bailey and the team to rally around him. And I think you get to appreciate that some things are bigger than this sport that we love. But while we're here at the World Cup, let's try and get the win and yeah, show Bailey and the rest of this squad that we're right behind them. Exactly, mate. And hopefully around the nation we see exactly that with all the live sites being set up. It's an exciting time to be a football fan and hopefully it's an impactful time long-term as well. I, for one, am excited for the game, keen to see how it unfolds and be sure, listeners at home, to let us know what you think this game will unfold and what you think the key matchups will be in this game. Yeah, 100%. I'm super excited. We've got live sites all around this nation. I know that Australia has been seen as a bit of a bandwagon nation when it comes to sport like this, but it's fine. There is space on this bandwagon for more, and you're more than welcome to stay on. If you are one of these so-called bandwagoners that you you feel like you only jump on the Socceroos train every single World Cup, there's space on this bandwagon. There is space for you to continue to support this game that we love, and there is opportunity. I will say it now, and it might sound obvious to some people, but... If you want to see more of Australia succeeding at this World Cup, you can make that happen by supporting the local game. You can watch A-League, you can watch NPL, if that's what you want to support as well. You can support the players playing in Australia because ultimately when they get sold overseas and when they move overseas, that's actually the really exciting thing for me as an Australian football fan. Seeing the number of A-League players who have earned a move overseas and who are now playing really well overseas have justified their spot in this squad 
and have taken Australia to the round of 16, which we haven't done since our golden generation, it just makes a World Cup like this for me so much more exciting because I've been following their journey. I've been following them. It's almost like, were you there when this happened? Were you there when you saw Owen Mabil make his debut? Were you there when Riley McGree scored that scorpion for Newcastle? Where were you when all these things happened, when when Tilio made it onto the point, when Garan Kowal announced himself to the world, where were you when this happened? And that's the beauty of supporting this sport, supporting the local game. And it's time now for everyone to just get behind the Socceroos, enjoy waking up at ridiculous hour of the morning. It's not as ridiculous as the Denmark game. Enjoy waking up early, getting to a public space where people can see that there is support in this nation for the Socceroos. And we know that it has a, a big effect on the Socceroos. They, they've seen it, the, the squad, they've seen Federation Square being packed out. So for them to know that their whole nation is behind them, yes, you could sit on your couch and watch the game, and that's great. I won't say that you shouldn't do that, but I just think it's a really cool opportunity for everyone to just take a step outside get to your local town square. That's what they were made for. They were made for public gatherings. And this is, I think, one of the best excuses to gather in public to support our nation at arguably the biggest tournament in world sport, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's the Olympics, they're both fighting for that number one spot. It's not a competition, but it's time for us to go galvanize and support the Socceroos as we take on Argentina. And hopefully... We will have a reaction episode just like Denmark where we can't believe what we've just witnessed. I've been a big fan of Lionel Messi. I'm not what you would argue a Messi fanboy, I don't think. But if there was someone that I think I would like them to win a World Cup, it would be Lionel Messi. And to know that Australia could end that dream, I take delight in. Come on, you there you go. Come on, you Ruse. Dame's had nothing else to say. He's just building up I'm the ready. energy. I'm ready. He's ready. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, rate the podcast, subscribe. We have noticed a, a dramatic increase in the number of people listening to this podcast since the World Cup has started. And it's great to have more people listening to James and I talk about something we're passionate about. So thanks so much for listening. If you like it, share it with a friend as well. Tomorrow morning, time of recording, Australia will be taking on Argentina. Enjoy the game wherever you're watching. We'll catch you afterwards. See ya!